Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey, my friend, and welcome to the podcast. I am Denise, your host, and I want to talk today about presentations. So if you um, love giving presentations, you get rave reviews on your presentations, you have no fear or anxiety, then you can go ahead and probably skip this. But if you would like to have less anxiety, more fun, and more be more influential in your presentations, then stick around because this is going to be a good one. This was inspired by one of my new clients who in our group call said, I'm really nervous. I have a big global presentation to give. She was in a new job and you could just feel the anxiety coming off of her. And I looked at her and I said, we were on Zoom of course, and I looked at her and I said, first of all, you are never allowed to say the word presentation ever again. So here's the thing about that word. I love words, by the way, in case you haven't noticed, words are so powerful. They have the power to trap us, to free us. They change our state. And then that changes how we feel and how we act and ultimately how we are perceived, how we're trusted. And it's so obvious what our state is like when we're presenting. We can feel it and everyone else can tell. And another word that I find interesting is am. In English, we say, I am scared. I am anxious. Whereas in French, they would say, j'ai peur. I'm having fear. It's not me, but when we walk on the stage or in the Zoom, as if if we're going to give a presentation, we like embody fear. So if we can learn that, hey, I just have this fear. I wonder what that's about oh, it's because I'm calling this thing a presentation. And that word in and of itself is going to freak you out. Because if you really do give a presentation, it's going to suck. Because by its very nature, the definition of a presentation is to present information, to explain something. You probably don't need to have a meeting to do that. You can probably send an email. Uh, You know, I want an instruction manual to be short, concise, get it over with. Um, I, don't need, I don't need to be entertained. I don't need to be provoked. I just need the information. That's not what you want to do. In these events, uh, circumstances, what you're probably trying to do is more than just pass along information and give a tutorial. You're probably trying to make a positive impression where somebody is inspired who leaves the room having agreed to do, say, or give you something, who leaves the room different than they were before you, and who leaves the room liking you and respecting you more and feeling more connected to you than when they first came in. That will not happen from you presenting information to them. That is a one-way channel. So what I suggested she do instead is talk about having a conversation. 
A conversation is a two-way street. We don't want to be talked at. I love this line in Fierce Conversations where Susan Scott says, we resent being talked to. We'd rather be talked with. And I think of it as being a good dance partner, having a great dance partner who you can barely tell is leading you and where you have a ton of fun while you're doing it versus one who pulls us around the stage or steps on our toes and throws us around. Nobody wants that to happen. I don't know if you've ever been stuck in a timeshare meeting. Oh, that only helped. That only happened to me once in my whole life, and I still have PTSD from it. I was being talked at for an hour. I felt like I was handcuffed to the chair. I couldn't leave. It was amazing how powerful they were at keeping me in my seat. Don't do that. Do not do that to the people on your Zoom call who feel trapped for the next hour, 30 minutes, whatever it is. That's another word I don't like is meetings. Stop calling them meetings. Why do we want to just meet? No, we need to converse. We need to inspire. We need to make decisions. Let's call it what it is and what we want it to be instead of what it actually is. We can all just meet. I can run into you on the street. That's a meeting. Okay, so when we come to these as if we're just presenting, of course our subconscious knows that it's going to suck. We are well-intentioned, but we then have all this fear and this focus on ourselves instead of where the focus needs to be, which is on the other person. So this is when we have to bring some curiosity. Instead of bringing this need to be an expert who delivers information, well, you know what happens to that. When we have a mindset of having to be an expert, we think our job is to know everything. What if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? Oh my God, what could happen? So what we do is we script. We try and prepare for every possible question that might be asked of us. But here's the thing. People don't want you to be scripted. Even if you've watched a TED Talk, you know those are probably very highly scripted. But the person doesn't come off as scripted. I don't even know if they really are scripted. They are rehearsed, they are prepared for, they are practiced. They don't usually involve literal back and forth, but they still feel like a conversation. And hopefully, right now, you feel like we're having a conversation. I know that you are having a conversation in your head right now. Maybe you're thinking about a thing called a presentation that you have to do. Or maybe you're thinking about the fact that you like to script things out too. And now you're thinking about where does that come from? What fear does that come from? Well, it's the fear of looking bad. When we have a fear of looking bad, we show up anxious and self-focused. When we really want to show up curious, other-focused, in service. So when we show up like that, Here's what happens. We start being way more engaging. We ask really good questions of people. And we ask good questions or we give people tasks to do at least every nine minutes. We'll never talk more than nine minutes without engaging them somehow. When we ask a question, we will allow some silence. 
because people need to process, people need to think. So it doesn't matter the size of a group. It doesn't matter if you're on a stage or on a screen. If you come with a mindset of being in service and having a conversation, it doesn't matter how many people are listening to you. You're going to show up as if you're in service and talking to each and every one of them. And it's going to change everything about how you show up. It's going to change how you stand. It's going to change how you speak, how you breathe, what your tone is like, what words you use, what questions you ask. When you show up like this, people feel like they can trust you. They don't have to worry about you. You know, like on American Idol, when somebody comes up and they're really nervous, <laughs> or just anybody who has to give a presentation at work comes to you really nervous because they think it is a presentation instead of a conversation, they think they're going to be judged already, then we feel like we have to take care of them. We don't like that feeling. We want you to take care of yourself. We want you to take care of us. I want to be so inspired by you and trust you so much that I turn my brain over to you. I respect you. I appreciate you. I want to be influenced by you. I want to be changed by the end of our conversation. You can do this even on the phone. You don't have to have video. And people are really tired of video right now. So whether you're talking to one person or a ton of people on a conference call, if you have this mindset and this heart set of caring and service and enoughness. I know enough to be in service. And I don't need to know everything. Because guess what? The other person has a lot of insight too. And if I ask a good question, they might find it deep in their consciousness. Or somebody else in the room, if there's more than one person in the room that I'm talking with, they might have an answer. But together, we'll come up with something. When it comes to presentations, the typical way, I'm very anti PowerPoint when it comes to influence, unless you use it strategically. And if you ever, if you look at Brene Brown's famous TED Talk, which wasn't even supposed to be videotaped, she didn't even know it was going to be videotaped. She was not prepared for that. She was very anxious. She tells about this in her book. Um, and then you'll see in the deep, deep background some slides of hers. They're just pictures. All the greats who use PowerPoint use it strategically to influence, and they use pictures to help embed the message deep in the consciousness. If you just have data to present, you can put that on a Word document. You can put that on a piece of paper that you can send in an email. Now, I know this is very anti-corporate. Corporate puts everything on PowerPoints, and they send them all around the world. That's fine. If you have to do that, you have to do that. But please, to the extent that you can be different in the way you use PowerPoint, because people spend way too much time not just scripting what they want to say, but scripting out PowerPoints. It's a waste of time. It's not the PowerPoint they want. It's you. We want you to, as Susan Scott says, I'm going to quote her another, another time, to come out from behind yourself into the conversation and make it real. So coming out from behind PowerPoint slides is one way, but also coming out from behind of this fake persona you've put on as the expert, as the professional. You have to be genuine. You have to be yourself. 
Of course you have to be credible, but you wouldn't be there if you weren't credible. And the only way to be yourself is to know yourself. What makes you unique? I love helping my clients figure this out. I had a client, Debbie, who was struggling with presentation um, anxiety. It was so deep in her. She'd just gotten this huge promotion and she felt like she didn't deserve it. And she was stumbling over her words. It was like her IQ dropped 20 points. Um, she probably would have said it felt like it dropped 100 points. And what she forgot was that she didn't wasn't promoted because she knew everything. <laughs> she was promoted because of her natural strengths. She is a humble person who's really good at what she does, but she likes to bring along everybody with her. She does not take credit where credit isn't due. She's incredibly open to feedback, incredibly coachable, incredibly service-oriented, but here's her special sauce. She is freaking hilarious. I mean, she doesn't even try. She has a straight face and she just makes me crack up. Like, Debbie, are you bringing this into your conversations? That you're, you know, she was given responsibility to help corral all these attorneys. <laughs> this is not an environment that usually is um, really loose and flowing. She ended up being so respected by senior leadership and the CEO. She even started using pictures, Google images, and the CEO was almost crying. He was laughing so hard because he, she was trying to make a point about their culture and what needed to happen. And it landed because she dared to be herself. She dared to be different. And of course, she did it in an appropriate manner. So I don't know what your strengths are, but hopefully you do. If you don't know, you can ask people, what do I do that's different? You probably want to ask somebody who's not completely self-absorbed so they can actually pay attention and think about that. But you can start to think about what is it that I love doing that I hold myself back from doing when I'm conversing with people because I think it's unprofessional. I love to use wit. I love to use love. I really care about people. And I love to use my edge. Sometimes I swear. Sometimes I say things that others might not say, but I love to call things out for what they are in a loving way so that we can talk about them, so that we can be real, so that we can uncover deep truths, interrupt old patterns, and so that I can make a difference. So I don't care if I'm talking to 300 people in a Zoom call or six people on a group coaching call. And when you have these big meetings or conversations, I should say, use the chat function. Ask a question and ask everybody to put their response into the chat. That immediately makes things more cohesive and connects people. And it doesn't allow one person to dominate the conversation. And you start to hear, or see in this case, the conversations that are happening in every person's head, and you realize this really isn't about you. And people will appreciate, and when they, when they hear that you are hosting a conversation, they'll want to come. Because they know they're going to be different, they know they're going to be inspired, and they know you're going to use your time wisely. So you will be the person who, instead of anxious, is excited. Who, instead of holding your breath, being full of fear, over-scripted, and inauthentic, will be in service, will be natural, will be real. You'll be inspiring. 
You're going to change everything about how you prepare and how you conduct yourself. And you're going to actually start looking forward to these. I just checked in with that client who was afraid of the global presentation. Not only did she have fun, not only did she get her boss to say exactly what she needed in order to get approval to move the project forward, but her boss also told her it was one of the most impressive presentations because that person didn't yet have the language that we have and that her, um, she just made a really good impression in her new job. So she's going to be doing that more often. If you still need my help. So this is just one of five shifts that professionals have to make in order to become their most confident, influential, successful self. Shifting to curiosity. That's one of the shifts. If you want to learn about the other four, I will put a link in the show notes to a masterclass that I created. If you've already watched that masterclass and you still want my help, there is a link at the end of the class to talk to me. Um, I reserve a few spaces every week to talk to female professionals who are sabotaging themselves and who are absolutely ready to stop it, <laughs> stop suffering. They've gone beyond reading a book, listening to a podcast like this. If this helped you and this solved your issue, awesome. But if you still need help, I will put a link in the show notes. You can watch the masterclass. And if you need more help, you can reach out to me. Have a beautiful rest of your day and may all of your conversations, whether they're with somebody else or in your own head, may they all be beautiful. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.